You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Hey, everybody, and welcome to More to Be Said. This is our podcast from Kingsway Christian Church, where we just take some topics we think people are wrestling with in the community. We take them a little deeper. We try to bring in some experts, interview them, find out their wisdom. And today I have with me two special guests, April Bordeaux and John Money, both coming over from Care to Change. Thank you for being here with us today. I keep hearing this buzzword being thrown around on social media, thrown around in the news, and the phrase is mental health, mental health. What in the world is mental health? Can somebody define this for me? I am so glad that you asked that question because I think we are throwing that word around a lot. If you look up mental health, um, the World Health Organization actually defines it as a state of well-being and the ability to cope with daily life stressors while being productive citizens in the community. That's my summary version of that. So it's sort of like the state of well-being. The fact that we're hearing it all the time, does that mean there's a general sense that we are not well? We are not okay right now? in America. I love the way April just looked at John. You can't see that at home. (laughs) Punt. I'm just kidding. Is that why we keep hearing about it? Yeah. Along with that kind of well-being definition, a lot of folks, I believe we see there are some physical aspects, there are some mental, emotional aspects, and then again, some spiritual aspects. So sometimes you really are trying to determine is what's really going on here. And it's usually a combination of at least those three. Yeah. that, That there's something to work on. Physical, mental, mental and, and emotional, yeah. spiritual. Yeah. Okay, different. Okay. What we say often is mental health is physical health because mental health is just a different part of the body. Mm-hmm. So it's what's happening, you know, in your brain and in your heart. Mm-hmm. And so John said it great on prior um, episodes. So I want to encourage listeners to listen to the other episode, but, you know, mind, body, spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd mentioned a psychosomatic yes. unity. So we're not just a body with a brain. We are mind, body, and spirit or soul as well. And it's all linked together. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to give an analogy and I'll ask grace from all the listeners. If my analogy is broken, it's my own lack of understanding, but my analogy. And then the question, my analogy is I was talking to a family at our church and um, they have a child on the autism spectrum. And what they told me is they've learned that they've kind of done away with the autism spectrum, the way it used to be defined. Now it's, it's, it, there's still a spectrum, but it's not defined the way it used to be defined. Everybody's technically on the autism spectrum. It's the degree to which the autism is impacting your your daily life determines whether or not they consider you autistic. I have no idea if that parent's understanding of the issue is real or not. Is that the way we should understand mental health? Everybody's got highs and lows and good days and bad days. It's the degree to which it's impacting your everyday life determines whether you're mentally healthy or unhealthy. So no matter how you define it, how we're functioning day to day and managing the stress that life throws at us, that's I think is what is important, right? So we don't get to define what makes one person healthy and another person not in terms of like stress. So my, the amount of stress that I can handle um, might be different than the person sitting next to me. And I might be able to handle more or less than to use your spectrum analogy. You know, someone can be healthy and then life throws something at them and it kind of takes them down an unhealthy path. And how are they responding and can they get back to where, you know, they're not distracted by the stressors and they're able to be productive. 
it's so able to be productive. Is that like, again, coming back to the spiritual, emotional, physical, that I get the right, those three categories. Is that, is that what we mean? Able to be, because again, I think about this person who's driven all the time and we say productivity, they can go to a bad place of legalism real yeah. fast, right? A deep, yeah. dark place, which can spiral out of unhealthiness. So what do we mean when we say productive? Well, then we have a very, and you wrote a great article on Simone Biles, April, mm. and, you know, just very public for everyone. Yeah. And recently, and here you have this greatest of all time gymnast, mm-hmm. top of her uh, skills, and just right. <laughs> everything came together in a bad way and at a, such a critical time. I'm sure from a goal setting for her, but she, she, you know, she had the courage to say, "Wow, I'm just not not myself," and she recognized it. And you know, we we don't know what were all the things she was thinking, feeling, experiencing. We know a little bit. I'm sure it's just a tiny bit of what she was going through. But you know, she reached that point where it just was overload. Yeah. I mean, if you, like. if you try to separate the three, so if you say mentally, I feel really strong today and emotionally, I feel really sturdy, but I fell and I hurt my foot. All of a sudden, you you know, if you have to go to the doctor and the doctor says, yeah, you're going to have to be in a boot or crutches or something, that's going to impact you, right? But it's only your physical, but somehow it impacts you. If your body feels strong, but your mind is having a difficult time concentrating or you're feeling depressed or anxious you feel anxiety, all of a sudden that's going to impact your life. You know, if mentally you feel strong and physically you still feel strong, but there's a darkness in your soul because of what's happened or where you are, something that you're experiencing, that will impact life, right? And so you can kind of put them in buckets, but the reality is it's life is impacted and we all have mental health. The question is just how healthy Mm -hmm. are we? We all have physical health. How healthy are we physically? We all have spiritual health, but how healthy are we spiritually? And they all are intertwined. And so we can, you know, kind of try to separate them out. But the reality is they're all intertwined. And if one is impacted, the other two will feel it. I have a million questions from what you just said. Let's just pick one. Uh, I love this stuff. Okay. So (laughs) let's take your analogy. Uh, I'm working everyday life and then I break my foot. I hurt my Mm -hmm. foot, whatever the analogy is. Now think about everything that goes into that. Now I have to go to maybe the emergency room. I got to sit and I got to wait in the emergency room. I got to get an x-ray. I got to find out how serious is the break. Then I got to get a temporary cast. Then I got to make a follow-up appointment. Then I'm going to get this big bill for a thousand dollars, depending on whether I had taken it, you know, an ambulance. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden now I got to figure out how am I going to financially pay for that bill? And what goes to my mind is, what part of what it did is we live our lives already with, if you imagine a coffee cup, and I don't know about you, I've used this as a sermon illustration. I always put more milk in my coffee than my cup can hold always mm-hmm. every day. And you think I would think to myself sooner or later, you know, if I would just leave a little less coffee, I could put a little more milk, it'd be fine. I always do it. And so my cup is spilling over and we live our lives the same way. So mm-hmm. then the foot breaks and everything falls apart because mm-hmm. now I got to figure out how am I going to get my kids over to this event? I can't drive my car now. Mm-hmm. I got to rearrange this. I've got to pay for that. It means I got to juggle these things over here. And now we have no margin in our lives for things mm-hmm. to spill over. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I use that as my analogy set up building off what you said to say over the last year, everybody's cup overfilled, right? Mm-hmm. Quarantine life, homeschooling, trying to figure out e-learning, all of the things. Is that why all of a sudden mental health is on the forefront? Is it just like, well, once we get back to normal, mental health issues will go away? I think that was for me and I, John, I'd love to hear your perspective as a, a man on this, but it seems to me that COVID and all that it that brought that you just listed sort of leveled the playing ground for everybody to say, we're all stressed. So our, our culture does a really good job of celebrating busy and no margin, right? You never ask somebody, how you doing? And they say, 
oh, just bored recently. Like I just haven't been doing anything. Like you just don't, it's always, oh, just busy. Oh, it's crazy. Like we celebrate, you know, this cup running over to use your analogy. And so what COVID did was it sort of leveled the playing ground to say, we're all stressed. What are we going to do about it? And so the issue was there before, but the one of the, the positive side effects of COVID is now people are more willing to talk openly about it than maybe they were before. The, the downside is that if their cup was already full and then COVID got poured on and it all of a sudden it was too much. So, I mean, there's a downside, obviously. I don't want to minimize that. But the beauty of some of what's come from COVID is that we all have been affected. There's not a person not affected by it. So we're all on the same, we're all on the same team here. We've all been impacted. Now, what are we going to do about it? I agree with that as well, April. And I think it's also this season for everyone has unveiled some things that may have been hidden. So like coping skills of being alone this much as a couple or as a family or as mom or dad with, wow, I'm actually around these little, (laughs) these little kids, you know, not just navigating four or five hours at night after dinner and then getting up and going to work and kind of having that freedom. It's wow. Now I'm I'm really here and everybody's here. We have to figure this out. Uh, I think that there's a higher incidence of people coping with alcohol, you know, increasing what used to be one glass of wine every now and then became, you know, two or three. <laughs> and it's just, that's reality. I, I think some other things have been unveiled and just by being around each, especially couples being around each other longer. I've seen, let's just say the, the pornography epidemic has just, I, I think it's even more and more pronounced now. And some of that's come to light for whatever reason, just by people being home more. With COVID, people being able to say, wow, yeah, this has unveiled some things and I think I need some help. Okay, so you bring up a lot of other questions I have, John. I'm going to jump over those questions for a second. It seems like, if I'm understanding you, you tell me if I'm understanding, families don't know how to be together. And this season revealed that. Am I hearing you correctly? Like, we we were okay when our life was you going to school all the time, and I go to work, and then I come home, and you go to your sports and your events, and then we come home, we do dinner, and we go to bed, and then on the weekends, I fix the car, and I cut the grass, and you do homework, and you play with your friends, but all of a sudden, when all those things are removed, and I have to be in the same environment with you all the time, I don't know how to handle you. Is that what you're saying? Am I understanding you? Yes, (laughs) I have seen uh, multiple instances of that. How about you, April? Yeah, I think, you know, we're created for connection. Mm -hmm. But then when we're given that in a way we don't want it, all of a sudden we don't know what to do with it. Right. Right. So, yeah. Definitely. So none of us here desires to create shame in people. Right. We love people. That's right. why all of us do what we do. So what wisdom do you have for maybe a parent sitting out there going, that's me. You just named my pain. What can I do? How do I connect with my kid? What What is wrong with me? Well, you know, nothing's wrong with you. It's just a time to learn something new. You know, if you're a parent and you're saying, I don't know how to connect with my child. I, there's just so many resources. What I would say is, don't keep that to yourself. Find a trusted friend or counselor that can recommend the resources and sort of walk you through what's making it difficult to connect. Is it just not having the tools and knowing how? What is it that, you know, as a child, you weren't allowed to have fun. And so now that you have all this time, it's like, I don't know. I just know how to work. I don't know how to have fun with my kids. And they just want fun. You know, is it, I always had fun and now I need structure and I don't know how to do structure. I think there's more to that question, Matt. And so I think it probably deserves conversation with, you you know, friends or, you know, a counselor or someone who can say, let me, you know, because it'd be easy to say, here are 10 things you can do to connect with your child. But if you don't know the reason why it's difficult, then, you know, 
sort of like shotgun approach of trying to help. Right. A stick a bandaid right. on a gaping wound. Yeah. 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 So uh, one of the things that came out of that is, as both of you were talking, the question I wrote down was, how much of what we're experiencing today is trauma-based then? You know, are these suicidal tendencies, pornography increasing, alcohol increase? How much of this is like we've never been given the, the, the healthy mechanisms to handle these things, so we're just living out of some sort of previous wound or moment in time? Is that what you would see in your counseling sessions? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, trauma is defined as deeply distressing or disturbing event. So tell me what COVID is. I, you know, and I... I don't want to minimize, we, we don't, and I, I kind of said this earlier, we don't get to define someone else's stress. We don't get to define someone else's trauma. So for one person, COVID might have been freedom because they don't have to go to school and they get to get done with, you know, school work in an hour online or whatever. But for another person, it's like, no, I just lost my job and I'm going to lose my house. And now my marriage is falling apart because these things were unveiled that we already had, but we were keeping ourselves busy. So we were barely holding it together. So, you know, just by definition of trauma, I would say, that's, you know, definitely a, a, a piece of, you know, why people are so um, stressed. And if someone has really great coping mechanisms or have found a way to manage whatever it is that, you know, that helps them to be productive, if that's been removed, be, you know, if it was removed, then all of a sudden it didn't work anymore. Or, you know, one of the things I found myself saying a lot was self-care is no longer an option. Mm. You know, during COVID, it used to be like, oh, I'll go to the gym, oh, well, I can't go today. You know, I'll do something different for self-care. During COVID, it was like, oh no, I will take care of myself or I'm not going to make it through this. And so self-care didn't, you know, it was like, that's, I'm taking out the optional. That's a requirement now for me, but also, you know, for my kids and my family. So things that we used to try to do or things that we did before may not be working now or when options were removed, you know, we had to, to try an alternative. And there have been some beautiful things like just throughout the season with, I've noticed with couples and it's been great for them to recognize, wow, we're not getting along like we used to. Why don't we just go see someone? And that's been a very brave step. And there, there've been several instances where it's, it has just been a few sessions and a few minor adjustments and, you know, let's, let's talk about this and communication and just have seen some little small adjustments, kind of get them back on track, you know, to an already really good relationship. And sometimes it's just, wow, we really are having trouble here. But, you know, it's not always a major thing that has to take place, but. Okay. So that's a great question then. How does a person gauge when it's, I need to go to lunch with a friend and hear somebody else's thoughts about what I'm dealing with. And I need to make an appointment to see a counselor or a therapist and really dig into. Yeah. I think it's the severity, intensity uh, of the, how broken does it feel? It's kind of a rule of thumb. And a lot of times people, they may have already tried that with their trusted confidant and things just aren't getting better. And I would say if you're just finding uh, that feeling that things aren't getting better or just it's really trending in the wrong direction and feeling hopeless. Um, yeah, it's really time to seek that help. If it's a couple or if an individual is dealing with, with something they just can't seem to get through on their own. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got uh, from a professional counselor was how are you connecting with the other person's heart? That so much of life, people want to know that they're heard 
that they're loved. And so, you know, we're really good at it hearing people through text or Facebook or social media or whatever it is, or email, but we're not good at hearing what people mean. I, I, just recently today, I read a quote, um, a quarterback for the Bears, um, Andy Dalton said something about the other quarterback, Justin Fields. And his, qu- his quote was taken completely out of context by the media because it's clickbait. And um, the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, called the media out like, this is inappropriate, guys. This is not what he said. This is not what he meant. Like it, context is everything. But I think we all are doing that in part today. It's like we're not taking time to be with another person so that they can be heard and heard to be understood and the power of that, which is what you guys do for a living, right? You create an environment where, it, where you're going to be heard here, right? That is our goal by the time you walk out of here. I don't know if you have any thoughts about like hearing people. How do I listen to hear and not listen to speak or fix or whatever it might be? You know, removing the distractions that prevent clear hearing. And we all have probably sitting in our hand or using it right now, our phones. It's nearly impossible to really hear the heart of someone when there's something in between you. Whether it's a phone, whether it's the TV noise, whether it's white noise, whether it's busyness, whether it's project related, anything that would separate from understanding the heart to remove first. That's The other is to create the space and the place and the time for it. Because if one person is trying to be heard, but the other person is hungry or tired or stressed out, they may not hear the way the person in need really needs them to. And so I would say start by removing the distraction and to be prepared for the right time and, and place for that kind of heart conversation. If, if you're wanting to hear you're really wanting to hear, remove the distraction. Can a distraction be an expectation? Like, and I was really expecting you to do X, Y, and Z, and now I'm not hearing your heart and why that didn't happen or why you didn't do that or why you didn't do it the way you thought I, and I'm coming back to the Simone Biles situation where, you know, my expectation is she would go do this thing that nobody's ever done before. We've been watching it for three years in the news, the media, these videos, she's like truly the greatest of all time. My expectation is she would do that, win us a gold, and I would be a part of history. America would win the Olympics, blah, blah, blah. She didn't. And now there's all these people just crushing her, right? We had this expectation of her. So we didn't listen to why did she pull out? Like, Mm -hmm. first of all, her life would have been legitimately in danger had she pushed forward and had what they call the twisties and all that kind of stuff. But now take that same situation and put it in my marriage or put it in my relationship with my friends or with my kids. My expectations of you, can that be a barrier between me hearing you? I think you just answered it, Matt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, there's no fun to interview you if I give an answer. I apologize <laughs> right. for that. Then. That's a great example. That's a great example. As we're kind of concluding this time, let, let's just get to the question about mental health. Are there any big ticket things that you see driving mental health that like, if you would just slow these down and remove these things, you would at least be in a slightly better place? I just say this so often. If you're feeling depressed or anxious, save yourself a little bit of time in a session by listening to this. How are you sleeping? Do you have good sleep hygiene? In other words, are you turning off the white noise, the blue light, the phone, the TV a couple of hours before so that your body isn't just ready for bed, but your brain is ready? Are you eating right up until you go to bed at night? So one is we have terrible sleep hygiene in this country that prevents us from getting good 
restorative sleep. And all day long, we're stressed. So our body is producing this cortisol that will work its way out during a good deep sleep. But if you're not affording yourself the good deep sleep, you're going to wake up with it. And so I would say at the very beginning, your sleep hygiene and your rest, because it's the foundation for stronger mental health, getting good rest. I'm not talking about 10 hours in the bed. I'm talking about good restorative sleep. The other is how are we treating our bodies nutritionally because our brains need nutrients. And I'm so guilty of the drive-through because lives are busy. Let's just drive through. And at the end of two or three days, like, why do I feel so tired? Well, I haven't had any Bs, you know, no B vitamins. What are you feeding your, your brain nutritionally, not just your body, but your brain. And then hydration um, is the other because our brains will produce the stress hormone when we're dehydrated. And so we will become irritable. So if you find yourself like, I'm just irritable and I can't figure out why. When was the last time you just drank some water? And it's not as simple as that, right? So it's not like do these three things and your mental health is better and all, you know, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm trying to say. But a lot of times, you know, again, I, I want to use the gym analogy. You know, you're you're going through the drive-thru and you're eating every dessert and you're getting up late and you're not exercising. And you look in the mirror and you're mad because why does my body look like this? Well, what are you doing, right? So if, you're, if your mental health is suffering, start with the very basics of hydration and nutrition and rest rest and movement. Your body craves movement. We were made to move. Um, and that doesn't mean you got to pump iron for an hour at the gym. It says, you know, it's just like 20 minutes here and there, go for a brisk walk, be outside. So I would say at the very minimum, before we even get into any sort of, you can be super strong and not have any trauma and life be good. And if you're doing, not getting good sleep, you know, feeding your body like it's a trash can and not drinking anything but soda, you're going to feel anxious. I mean, that's just the way the body works. And so I would say, start by supporting your body. That would be. I love all that. And just, you made me think also of just the, what are we putting in? A lot of those are like, what do you, what kind of information or sources? Mm -hmm. What are we listening to? Because there's so much bad news as everybody knows, right? There's so much chaos that we, if you're watching uh, the news 24 seven, you're not going to be in a good place, right? You're just going to hear the same stories over and over and over and get more worked up probably. I've seen that in couples, right? With this political season, with the chaos in the world and scripture says above all else, guard your heart for yeah. it is the wellspring of life. And yeah. we have to be really strong. And, and uh, sometimes that's a first step too, is, you know, what do I need to cut off? But okay, is there a source of just good that's going to bring me good and calm and peace? You know, whether it's scripture or a good podcast of someone, or it doesn't always have to be, you know, Christian or religious in nature. It can be something that takes your heart to a good place that, you know, it just, to a different plane, right? And, yeah. and filling your soul with that. Okay, so you mentioned a lot of things. Let me let me go back and touch on some of those, get some handles around it. Because I think we hear these, we see the news articles and it's in one ear and out the other. So how many hours of sleep is a good night of sleep? Is there a pattern? Is there a, something that comes out clinically that's helpful? I guess, you know, you can Google and get the answer that you want, <laughs> <laughs> right? So I, you know, everybody, you know, eight to 10 hours, depending on your age and stage of life. If your body's tired, you need sleep. That's what I would say. That's a good and word. People who say, oh, I can make it on four hours of sleep. They're the ones super caffeinated and they're jittery. And people, when they walk, when they, people walk in the room and they're like, Ooh, there's a lot of energy in this room. So are they just caffeinated awake, but they're not really fully present, right? Because mm -hmm. if someone's just caffeinated and awake, are they really present with what's happening? And so yeah. I don't want to say like, oh, get eight hours because I don't want to be legalistic. I, I just feel like if you're, if you're tired and you need rest and you're eating while and moving, that means you need 
you know, sleep or if you find yourself extra tearful or, or moody and you're like, I just need some rest. I just need to sleep a little bit. Um, it's such a gift to give to yourself and your loved ones. And we don't, and we don't gift it to ourselves very often. Okay. So let me, two things. I want to come back to the guilt that we feel when we, when we get rest, but let's go to the sleep thing real quick. I read an article that the newest breakthroughs in sports fitness is sleep. And guys like LeBron James are actually taking naps and they've got all these oxygen chambers and things they can afford the rest of the human beings can't, right? But because they are requiring so much from their bodies, they are requiring more rest. And so I think he's getting, I think I read between eight and 12 hours a Mm. day, every day. And you may think, well, I'm not LeBron James. I don't make hundreds of millions. I get it. But you're requiring a lot from your body, especially if you are married or divorced or have kids um, or working more than one job or whatever it is. So anyway, I'm throwing that out there. Now let's come back to the guilt we feel. I think a lot of times people they take naps because they feel guilt yes. like what or it's the FOMO, which right. is fear of missing out. I'm afraid if I sleep then I I'm giving up something else. Mm-hmm. How do I make peace with the fact that I need rest or or the guilt that I feel that I'm not playing with my kids again or whatever it is to do self-care? Yeah, that's it's a great question. I can say, you know, as a human, I've struggled with this. I hear people say some of the people I really respect, you know, and follow them, they talk about the lack of sleep sometimes. And so I thought, you know, I've been reading about this and researching the benefits of sleep on mental health, and I don't gift it to myself. And so I thought I'm going to try a little experiment. I'm going to, I'm a late person, so I can be up until one o'clock in the morning because I got things to do and the kids are in bed. And so I I know if they're women listening, you're with me on this. Like it's when the house is quiet. And so you're either like the early riser before they get out of bed and you're running for a jog or you're like, oh my gosh, everybody's finally asleep. The house is quiet. I can actually think through things now. So I'm on the late side and I'm just like, really, what about this? What about that? And I'm going to just do a little experiment and I'm going to try the 10 to 6 a.m. thing. I'm going to shut my life to, and I was thinking, there is no way because 10 is like my prime time, right? Like that's when it's, I can write and I can do all this at 10. And so I'm like, uh, I'm going to just try this because it's what research says. And this is what I would say to listeners, just try this and see what works in your schedule, but I'm going to shut the light off at 10. And so I practice good, you know, sleep hygiene the two hours before, which is painful. It's so painful to break these habits of this feeling like productivity. But then I would say, go back to the core. Is your productivity linked to your self-worth, right? If I produce more, I must be more, right? So Mm. go back to what's causing the shame. And then, so, um, okay, I'm going to practice good sleep hygiene, shut the, you know, did my stretches and all that. I kind of almost like as a joke, like, yeah, I'm going to show them this doesn't work. And then shut the light off at 10. And the first night I was like, by 11, I fell asleep. And I thought, wow, I I actually fell asleep at 11. Like, that's crazy. And woke up like, well, that was probably because I just really needed some sleep because of the nights before. So I totally disregarded it. But then over time, it's like, I can shut the light off at 10 and be asleep 10, 15, and then wake up and be like, oh my gosh, I'm more effective because I'm rested. And so it feels counterintuitive. Like, well, if I get more sleep, that takes hours out of my day, I'm going to be less productive. But the reality is I'm more focused and present. So I'm more productive when I do get the sleep. And so it's counterintuitive, but I went into it as a skeptic and came out a believer, like your body does need it. And it does produce more when you're more focused. So I would say if, you know, to your point, Matt, someone saying, well, I don't, I don't need that. I'd love to hear a man's perspective, John, but you know, like, I don't need that. I got it. I'm good. Ask the people around you you (laughs) who you live with. Don't do that. Do they say you need it? 
Uh, because, you know, I know my family appreciated a more rested me, right? That's and I'm very sh- vulnerable of you to say that. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure my team appreciates a more focused me. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I'm just saying, being human here, right? Yeah. John, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I just agree with that. Like the eight hours around there. And it does seem like that kind of, if someone can get into, say, a 10 to 6 type of pattern, there, there is a grade of health to that. And what is it? Dr. Amon is, what is it? Change mm-hmm. your brain, change your life. That's one of his top recommendations around just your brain health. I think April, mm-hmm. didn't you say earlier, like rinsing your brain while you're asleep and, and getting good sleep, you, you can do this reset and repair and mm. just getting, getting healthy in the brain and, and feeling rested. So, so the Bible tells us in Genesis one that there was evening and there was morning. Mm. The first day, second day, third day, when God made things. Mm -hmm. And the Hebrew people calculated the day from evening to morning, not morning to evening. We tend to think of the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep is my day. And the Hebrew people tend to think of the the moment that the sun went down is the beginning of the next day, right? And so the change in that then is it really, that's almost the way God, it is the way God made the world. So it's the way that our rhythms should align with and do more naturally Mm. align with. And I'm just saying, if you're out there and you believe in God, then maybe there's something in that. There's maybe some wisdom Mm. in that for you. Okay, so my last question as we wrap up, uh, and I'll try not to make this big. At what point do you stop drinking caffeine so that you can be asleep by 10 p.m.? For me, I, this is so weak. It's it's 2 p.m. You can't drink it after 2. I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been testing this out. Everybody's body's different. So everybody has to work, do what works for them. But I know if I'm getting a chai and it's after 1 o'clock, I know what that means for my sleep that night. I just know that's me. That's I can't speak. What do you? What's yours, John? I'm, I'm kind of similar around that time, and and I'm a uh, recovering coffeeaholic. <laughs> so you're down to four cups a day. Yeah, something like that, and have really cut back, and I do feel a lot better just b- not being as edgy. And yeah, oh, oh, I was at a at minimum two americanos a day, but oh, wow. uh, <laughs> but yeah, now I'm <laughs> I'm just kind of doing that in the morning. Maybe every now and then have a little early in the afternoon, but yeah, I do find if I will go at five or six and and bow to that (laughs) and uh it's i'm gonna be awake a lot longer so i read a study a long time ago it stays in your system six to eight hours on average and Mm -hmm. so just do the simple math it lines up with what you're saying i had a student when i was a youth pastor um, and he came from a very traumatic background but he would drink uh, one to two mountain dews right before he fell asleep every night and he said that was what made him fall asleep and um I, i always tried to help him see like there's there's more going on here bud Years later, he unpacked that. That's a lot of sugar, right. a lot of caffeine to take in right before you lay down. Your brain stays active, mm-hmm. even if your body can fall asleep. So, yeah, I, I mean, it. people say, you know, the, for kids that have ADHD, give them caffeine and see if it settles them down. Yeah. Um, I'm not prescribing that. I'm just saying I know that's an old, you know, thing that people have done. And there's something to it. I, so I, do, I really don't want to make light of the whole sleep thing because I know people who feel depressed. Sometimes yeah. they have a difficult time getting out of bed. Yeah. And so I also, you know, want to recognize that and also say that there's reasons why people don't want to enter into the nighttime, right? Or go to sleep and meet their dreams or the mm. unknown. And so there's, there can be more to it than, you know, I joke about productivity because that's, you know, for me, for it's like, well, there's a lot to do. We got to get a lot of done, right? But yeah. I also know that there's a whole lot to what does it mean to, to climb into bed, to shut off the light 
and to allow your body and your mind to rest and, and to see where it goes. And that can be a very scary place. Mm. So I just want to recognize that. Too. And, and that's a good way for us to close here. Just to say to somebody out there, listen, if you're analyzing your lifestyle and going, I want to do this and I want to back off and get better rest and change my sleep patterns and you can do that great. And if you can't, maybe there's a reason. And if so, you can reach out and find caretochange.org. Is that correct? Yes. Caretochange.org. You can look them up both in Avon and Brownsburg and get more information. We'd love to help you too. You can reach out to kingswaychurch.org and we will help connect you to all of our resources. We love you. I hope you're out there listening to this and are blessed. God bless. Take care.